Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast of thevikingage.com. My name is Chris Shad. I write for the Viking Age as well as Zone Coverage and Bring Me the News as well as the Brookings Register. And we do this every Monday and Thursday right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. But we're also in podcast form on Apple and Spotify the very next day if you miss us. But no matter how you consume us, make sure to rate, comment, like, and subscribe so you never miss a new episode. We can spread the word to everybody out there. It is Thursday or our late week episode, which means we have a guest on the show. And today's guest was recently named the lead NFL draft analyst for Pro Football Focus, hailing from the University of Florida and a massive fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His name is Trevor Sycamore. Hey, Trevor, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Chris, I appreciate it. That was a phenomenal intro, my friend. And so uh, you getting this podcast already started off on the right foot. So I appreciate it, man. It's great to be here. I'm excited to talk some ball. I, I don't know if you're a pro wrestling fan. I try to bring some Paul Heyman energy to uh, my my intros, you know, like Brock Lesnar coming in and getting ready to F5 somebody. I can you're see that. that. I energy, can see yes. this. I'm not as big of a wrestling fan as I used to be, but like I would say between the years 2000 and 2012. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was into wrestling. Yeah. So, so you're more of a John Cena guy. That, that's probably in your wheelhouse. I mean, I grew up, yeah, Cena, obviously, like the whole Cena era. Edge is one of my favorites, obviously. Like, you know, Triple H's run, the evolution group, like all of that stuff. I was when I was watching wrestling, it was a lot of that stuff. And and obviously we got we got Randy Orton chill, chilling in the corner oh, here. But. I see that now. It's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about wrestling, although I could probably do that for hours on end. <laughs> We are here to talk about something just as physical, which is a week one matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's also a lot of draft related topics in this game as far as what these teams did in the last year and what they could do in the future. And like anything, it's going to start off with a quarterback position. And that's how we'll start off our episode today. We are going to talk about Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins. We have some big questions about Kirk Cousins in Minnesota because he's been good. He's not great. His popularity has never been higher. He's been on the quarterback show. Everybody seemed to love him. Right. He's entering the final year of his contract. I guess starting here with you being outside of the Minnesota bubble, what is your opinion on Kirk Cousins? I've always liked Kirk. I feel like Kirk probably gets too much hate. You know, tr people always say that like truth is somewhere in the middle. I don't really think Kirk Cousins is going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. 
Uh, I just don't feel like he has that in his DNA. I hope he proves me wrong and this clip gets used on like an I told you so because I would love to see it for him. Oh, I watched the uh, quarterback documentary, at least the beginning parts of it. I don't think I finished it, but it was really cool to like get to see this like behind the scenes for a lot of these guys and, you know, their personalities off the field and everything. And like Kirk was one of those guys who was like, yeah, okay. Like he doesn't live the spiciest life, but it's just, it's cool to get to know these guys, you know, when they take the helmet off. And so that was the same for cousins. And um, the way that I look at him, and I think the way that a lot of people look at him is he's a really good quarterback, but that's kind of where it stops. Like he's, he's a really good quarterback. I don't know if he's a great quarterback to get you over the top and win you a Super Bowl. Now the people who look at Kirk cousins and go like, Oh, he's terrible. Cousins is trash. me. Like, well, that's not true either. I think there's a lot of things that uh, go into being able to fight that argument of the fact that he's certainly not a terrible quarterback. You look at just the money that he's been able to gain while he's been in the NFL. And I think that that could speak at the very top, but you can look at all sorts of different data points and statistics to show you that he is a good quarterback. But I think that people always get weird when that's the truth. Like they want it to be one end of the spectrum or the other, and they don't know how to deal with things if they're more in the middle. And I've always felt like Kirk was just a good quarterback. And that's kind of the way that I feel a lot of people look at him as well. And I feel like it's almost weird. Like back, you know, in the 90s, if you had a good quarterback, you were made like Brad Johnson. Everybody likes Brad Johnson around here because he was a good quarterback. Wasn't a great quarterback. That's why they traded him. They eventually got Dante Culpepper in here and the rest is history. But like, if you have a good quarterback, like let's say Jordan Love is good for the Packers, right? Mm -hmm. If he's good, it might even hurt the Packers because they don't really have a championship infrastructure around them right now. They're just kind of a middling team. Then they have to pay Jordan Love and they're kind of stuck in the same place. That's where the Vikings have been. That nine or 10 win ceiling, they got to 13 last year because the ball bounced their way a couple of times. But I think, you know, going into last offseason, I, I think it was his best chance to get an uh, extension with the Vikings because he was coming off those eight fourth quarter comebacks. Then, you know, they call off negotiations, quarterback comes out, and I feel like his approval rating has never been higher. And, and this is kind of the connection with, Baker Mayfield, who the Vikings will see week one, they're connected in some ways because Baker said this when he was asked about Bryce Young coming into the league on Wednesday. He said, when it comes down to it, it's all about wins and losses. But unfortunately, you have to overcome a lot of obstacles. There are a lot of things happening all at once. So how you can hone in is just about winning games. And I think that's the one thing that is missing from Kirk Cousins resume. He has stats. He has all these things. People seem to like him now, but he hasn't. Like you said, he's he doesn't look like the quarterback that's going to carry the Vikings to the Super Bowl. And I think that's where everybody's hung up. Yeah. And it's kind of like Kirk Cousins is just playing in the wrong age, right? If Kirk Cousins played in the 90s or if Kirk Cousins played in the even the early 2000s, like dude might have a Super Bowl or two now, yeah. right now, because he is he is that caliber of a quarterback for that era. But unfortunately, he's in a league with just these alien talents at quarterback Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen Justin Herbert Lamar Jackson like these are wildly physically gifted and talented quarterbacks that I, I just we have not seen across the course of the league and take into account the fact that it is now predominantly a passing league right if you go back in time a little bit to the early 2000s to the 1990s and even further beyond you can get elevated a little bit more by the run game by your defense specifically and those two things absolutely play factors into the game of football still today but the amount of pressure 
and the amount of percentage that goes into wins and losses that is now on the quarterback's shoulders is so much heavier today. So you can't just be a good, very rarely can you be just a good quarterback and even make it to the Super Bowl, let alone win it. You've got to be extraordinary because that's where the game is. There's a good chance that you're going to go up against an extraordinary quarterback on your journey to get to that point. And, you know, Mayfield Mayfield is correct. For anybody out there that um, studies like stoicism and trying to, uh, you know, in, in improve, I think your mental health is the best way to say it. A pillar of stoicism is control the things that you can control. Don't worry about the things that you can't. When you're an NFL quarterback, unfortunately, the things that you cannot control are a big piece of how people even view you as successful, right? Like you look at Baker Mayfield's time around the NFL. I think Dan Canales with the Buccaneers is like his fifth offensive coordinator already. And the dude's barely been in the, it was not that long ago that he was the number one overall pick. So you've got changes at head coach, changes at offensive coordinator, offensive line moving up and down, different types of skill weapons. He was in Cleveland, then he was in Carolina, then he was with the Los Angeles Rams. Now he's in Tampa. It's like you can't you can't sit there and say, ah, well, you know, stuff that's outside of my control. You know what? That goes into kind of your legacy and like how you're known. And so, unfortunately, Baker is correct. It's just a wins and losses thing when it comes to how we judge quarterbacks. And for Kirk, I will say that it sometimes gets even worse. Sometimes it's not even a wins and losses thing. The Minnesota Vikings won 13 games last year. That's a crap. Yeah. That's a crap ton of games. But yeah. it was just the fact that <laughs> they couldn't win the ones that mattered in January that you get judged on. So not only as a quarterback do you get judged pretty much solely on wins and losses, you get to a point where it's not even wins and losses. Sometimes it's the magnitude of wins and people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. He won it. He won 13 games in the regular season, whatever to shrug that off is crazy when you really think about it, but that's the way quarterbacks get judged, whether it's fair or not. And obviously it's pretty unfair. That's just kind of the landscape that it's in. And you mentioned all the stuff that Baker Mayfield kind of went to. I mean, two years ago, we were talking about how much money is he going to get in his next contract? Where it was like, he was in commercials. I think he had a positive popularity rating as well. And, you know, the Browns had the most success on the field since Bernie Kosar right. was slinging passes right. by the lake, you know, then OBJ gets upset at him. The whole shoulder thing happened, you know, Deshaun Watson shows up and yeah, like you said, he's all over the place. Kirk this season, there is so much that he can't, I mean, really throughout his tenure, like, you know, his relationship with Mike Zimmer was well-documented. We've always joked, like, they should have did that quarterback show one year before just to see him and Mike Zimmer, like, hashing it out in the locker room or whatever. But, you know, there's that. There's the defense. There's the offensive line. There's the running backs. All those things that he can't control. And it, it, it never seems like Kirk is able to overcome them and take this team on a run. You know, how do you think Kirk Cousins can rise above all those things this year? and not end up like Mayfield has at this point of his career where he's like this journeyman quarterback. Well, it's tough, right? I mean, he's going into what we assume is going to be, well, I won't, I guess I won't say that it's the last year of his contract year with Minnesota and who knows what's going to happen after that. They've already started to turn the page. It feels like on a lot of parts of the roster, like they're getting really young in a lot of different areas and the logical next step is quarterback. So I don't know if it's, it, it doesn't feel like the odds are in his favor that it's going to be in Minnesota next year for him. I think that he'll still play in the NFL, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to be Minnesota because in order for it to be, you'd really have to make the entire front office believe that you are the guy. Like you're not just good. You are great. And 
at this point in his career, especially with all the time that he spent in Minnesota, a couple of different chances to do that and he hasn't, I wonder if that's even possible at this point or if they're kind of just looking on to the future because it's I don't think they're going to win 13 games again this year, right? I think a lot of people yeah. believe that there's going to be a regression. So if there's a regression from what you had the year before, how difficult is it to say, yeah, 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 we only won, let's just say, 10 games this year, but we're in a better spot, but we're like going in a better direction. It's really hard to convince fans of that. It's hard to convince ownership, coaching, whatever. So I don't want to say that Kirk's in a, like a lose-lose situation, but it feels as though his time is running out in Minnesota no matter what when you look at realistic expectations of this season. I think he's kind of playing for his next job this year. Like he, how well he plays this year, I don't, I don't feel like it's more likely that that gets him a contract as a starter in Minnesota. I think it gets it's it's more likely that it's earning him a contract as a starter somewhere else next year. Because when I just look at the way that this roster is constructed and some of the things that the front office has done, certainly since Questy Adapomensa has taken over as general manager, it feels like there's just this youth movement. And the ultimate key to that is hitting on a young quarterback. So I wonder if their mind is maybe already made up in that aspect and and they they know that this is the last year with Kirk in Minnesota. It's almost like he has to have the Flacco run in order to stay in Minnesota. Yeah, it feels like it. Right. Like even, even Flacco, I think he was in the prime of his career, but I mean if if he takes them to the Super not not win the Super, if he takes them to the Super Bowl, even back to the NFC Championship yeah. game, it's going to be hard for owner or you know, Quasi to go to the Wolves and be like Hey, we want to move right. on. And they'd be, wait, 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 what? You're going to do I what? agree with you there. I mean, they yeah. tried, I think they tried that a couple of years ago when they showed up and they're like, no, we want to get this core more than Mike Zimmer was able to get out of it. But let's, let's go into the future here because I feel like the Bucks are in the situation. Baker Mayfield kind of feels like a stop. Mm-hmm. If these quarterbacks are not in their respective places, you know, who are some of the quarterbacks in next year's draft that you feel specifically would be a good fit for the Vikings, but even just some of the top names in general, sure. because there's a lot of hype. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a ton of hype for this upcoming quarterback class, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for it. I'm not just saying this because I'm a draft guy and I love the NFL draft every single year, but this upcoming 2024 NFL draft feels like a mega draft. Like it really does. You've got so many different stars on both sides of the ball quarterbacks. You've got guys who could be in the first round. Like we know Caleb Williams and Drake may, Bo Nix out in Oregon, who people remember him from Auburn. I was one of those people who was totally out on Bo Nix. Last year at Oregon, he was phenomenal. If he repeats that again this year, he's going to go in the first round. Michael Penix Jr. from Washington had an unbelievable year last year. Started off really strong this year as well. I mean, you, there, then there's so many different wild cards. Riley Leonard from Duke. Michael Pratt from Tulane. J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. Uh, Joe Milton from Tennessee. Shadur Sanders, who we saw at Colorado. Like, I'm just naming these guys off the top of my head. And there's probably 15, 16, 17, 18 quarterbacks that are worth mentioning that are going to get draftable grades. And I think that that always makes for intrigue of the class, but you got so many different positions as well, as well at like offensive tackle, edge rusher, wide receiver, offensive weapons, shutdown cornerbacks. Like it is stacked this year. So the quarterbacks are kind of the ones that I named Drake May and Caleb Williams. If you don't have a top five pick, you're probably not getting those guys because they're that good. But I think Bo Nix, with how well he was able to play under pressure last year, taking that next step, if he replicates that. He's got a ton of tools as a dual threat guy. He can do a lot with his legs as well as an RPO threat. I think that he's certainly in the mix for a first round pick. Michael Penix Jr., man, he has some serious arm talent out in Washington. Started his career in, in Indiana, um, ended up suffering two different season ending ACL injuries. 
uh, which his medicals are, they're going to be tough. It's going to be tough for a team to really say, yeah, okay, we believe injuries are in this guy's past and he's not going to deal with it. But if he has another fully healthy year this upcoming year, I think first round's definitely there. I think a lot of people are going to get a good look at J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. Last year, he was not proficient at playing quarterback. He's a very talented thrower, but when it comes to the IQ of really breaking down how to play the position, especially when pressure's on you, he wasn't really great. This year, he's already kind of started off much more advanced in that area, so I'm excited to see how that all pans out. But those are a handful of guys, and I, I mentioned him. Michael Pratt from Tulane, crazy start to the season. He played against South Alabama this past week. He went 15, 14 for 15 throwing the ball, and the one incompletion that he had was a drop. So his adjusted completion percentage was 100%. He had four big-time throws. He had zero turnover-worthy plays, and he looked like an absolute NFL stud this past week. So so many different names. I mean, we could break down these quarterbacks for forever, but uh, just know that there's a lot of names they could potentially be the Bucks starting quarterback a year from now, the Vikings starting quarterback a year from now. We could have an influx of really good young talent at quarterback next year in the NFL. You know, the way I know about Michael Pratt is uh, thanks to college football revamped and the dark overlords of the internet who have updated the rosters, cracked open the game and modernized it all over. And I did one with Tulane because honestly, their uniforms are awesome. And I'm like, this Pratt kid, he's got a cannon for an arm. And then you see him on the field and you're, you know, you're basically doing what what was Leo's character in uh, Once Upon a Time in High... Rick Dalton. Yeah. Where he's like pointing at the TV yeah, yeah, with yeah. a beer in his hand. Yeah. I mean, that that's basically what it is. Personally, and, and this is kind of just more of a joking take, but I, I'm just a little sad Quinn Ewers shaved his mullet off because give me a quarterback that can throw the t- game-winning touchdown at three, but play the Dodge County Fair at eight. You know, I'm all in on that. But um, outside of that, outside of the whole quarterback thing, we got a nice receiver matchup. We got Justin Jefferson. We got Mike Evans. We got Jordan Addison. And really, you know, the biggest storyline here is contracts because Mike Evans, he's going into last year of his deal. He's put up nine straight thousand yard seasons. Mm-hmm. He just turned 30 and there are still people out there. Oh, he's washed. He, he you know, whatever. Do you feel like Evans is on the back nine or is there something left in the tank that can help him take advantage of a secondary that has a lot of inexperience coming in on Sunday? Well, I mean, the the fact that he's on the other side of 30, I mean, you figure he's he's on the back nine because it's only so long that you can play this game at a position that demands so much athleticism. But to say like, oh, Mike's about to hit, like he's about to go off a cliff. No, I don't see that at all. Like I, I genuinely believe a fully healthy season for Mike Evans is another 1,000-yard season. It's going to be another one in the books. I mean, people are like, oh, he's, it's a downgrade from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield. Mike Evans got 1,000 yards with Josh McCown and Mike Glennon throwing him the football his rookie season. So, like, t- he has caught 1,000 yards every single year, no matter whether it's been McCown, whether it's been Glennon, whether it's been uh, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tom Brady. Like, it, do- it doesn't matter. So, if we get a fully healthy season from Mike, I, I, I guarantee that it's going to be another 1,000-yard season for him. So even though he's getting up there in age, I still think that there's plenty in the tank. And for any fantasy football people out there, I know fantasy football draft season's over, but like he was going way too – the the average draft position for Mike Evans was way too low. I have him in like every league. Um, but yeah, you, you know, he has long talked about wanting to be a Buck for life, if you will, start his career, end his career with the Buccaneers. And – I don't know if his deal gets done. His agent set a deadline of Saturday before the before the game, and then they're not going to talk about contract at all um, throughout the season. So 
they have until Saturday to get it done. I don't know if they get it done because ultimately, if Mike wants to get paid like a top five wide receiver, that's a lot of money for a Bucks team that's trying to turn things over. And they're having to pay the bill that has come due from the Brady. It's not only paying Brady, but going out and getting veterans to keep that winning window open for three years to compete. You know, they kick the can down the road on a lot of salary cap stuff. So they're trying to they're trying to get their books balanced. And they've got Antoine Winfield Jr., Devin White, Chris Godwin, Tristan Wirfs at some point. And that's not to mention what is might happen at quarterback. Because right now they got quarterback on the very, very cheap. If Mayfield balls out, let's say in a reality where I don't know, think this is likely, but Mayfield absolutely balls out. Tampa wins the division. They make the playoffs. All of a sudden, you're you've got to sign Mayfield to serious quarterback money. So I don't I don't know if Mike I don't know if they get a deal done for Mike. And then of course, you know, Jefferson's gonna be the highest paid offensive player, not named yeah. not not quarterback in, in the game whenever he signs what he's gonna sign. So he's gonna get I, I think what was it? 126 and uh oh I can't remember the guaranteed money, but it's gonna be like 126.1 million because that's what uh Nick Bosa just yeah, got yeah, from yeah. the uh, right. 49ers. It's just like that's what I was waiting for the entire time. I look at this Bucks defense, especially at receiver, and, and there's a lot of weapons. Like you everybody kind of craps on Baker Mayfield, like, oh, he's just gonna be awful. But it's like it's not like he's throwing to bad guys. And one of the guys that they picked up too that I think could be a sleeper for Sunday's game is Trey Palmer, former five-star recruit. He was at LSU, transferred in Nebraska, post a 4.3340 time. He went late in the This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Draft. And he was a guy that I was kind of, you know, if the Vikings don't take Jordan Addison, who we'll get to in a little bit, he was a guy I wouldn't have minded. It looked great in purple. You know, with Evans and Godwin, do you think Palmer could kind of be the sleeper, not only in this game, but throughout the season? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, especially with Russell Gage now out for the season, like they need somebody to be a wide receiver three. Their tight end room is not solidified enough to play a lot of heavy packages. Like they're going to play some 12 personnel, but it's not like they're going to base a lot of what they do at a 12 personnel. They're going to be in three wide receiver sets a lot um, and they'll mix it up, right? I mean, you know, like Kate Otten, the tight end will sometimes be that third wide receiver on the field, but Palmer's going to get a ton of action. He played really well this preseason. Um, he, he showed up and was a major deep threat for them. And I think that that's how they're going to use him with his speed to stretch the field. But they'll also make things pretty simple for him. Dave Canales, their offensive coordinator, he's coming over from Seattle. And Seattle has been 
Now, he, he wasn't the offensive coordinator in Seattle, so he wasn't calling the plays, but he has seen firsthand what Seattle's been able to do with a lot of their underneath stuff, especially with guys like Tyler Lockett, right? You know, creating space for them when when it's dig routes or, you know, like shallow overs or whatever it is and just dumping it off to him and letting the speed and the yards after the catch do the rest. That's the Trey Palmer role. That's how you could use Trey Palmer. And so I think there's going to be plenty of that in that offense, and there's a lot of people who are excited about him. Let's look at the Vikings receivers here. Obviously, we know about Justin Jefferson. He's going to get paid probably within the next 48 hours before kickoff. Um, you have KJ Osborne, who's a nice, solid player, but the Vikings still went ahead. They took Jordan Addison in the first round of the draft. Very productive college career at Pittsburgh and one at USC. Won the Blitnikoff Award two years ago when he was with the Panthers. Mm. And a lot of people are high on him after training camp. What makes Jordan Addison so good? And how can he be a factor in his rookie season? Uh, route running and body control. I mean, he's just, he's an assassin in those areas of the game. Now he, he is so small that I, I really did. I, I worry about the strength and I worried about the overall body size going up against NFL competition when you're going full speed for a full 60 minutes for a full season. Um, I ended up having Addison, I believe his wide receiver five. So somebody who was right around that, like back into the first round, early part of the second round range, because I was worried about that size, but shoot the route running is phenomenal and it's like they say like okay well you don't have to worry too much about strength if they can't touch you right you talk about like smaller running backs all the time where if you're so elusive and they can't they can't they can't tackle you well then they're not going to bring you down and for Addison I think it's going to be a journey obviously for him to deal with when he goes up against press coverage if guys are able to get hands on him you know when the ball's coming in what he what he can be with strength at the catch point but as a route runner as a technician I mean shoot we already saw it in a very limited sample size in the preseason how well this dude can control the body, control his footwork. I mean, that catch to the sideline, obviously, that everybody saw and freaked out about. I mean, that was sick. And that was vintage, like what Jordan Addison could do for you. And so love that he went to a place like Minnesota where Adam Thielen was, you know, the wide receiver one slash wide receiver two when Justin Jefferson was starting to emerge. But Thielen, unfortunately, got to the point in his career where he just lost a step. He just, he just didn't have that juice. But Thielen won so much as being a savvy route runner. And you get that, but you also get the youthful athleticism with Jordan Addison. And so I think that that's something that Kirk Cousins is already very comfortable throwing to. Um, he's a very good timing and rhythm quarterback. So, you know, he's throwing to a spot where he knows the, the wide receiver is going to be able to break on the route, get the separation, boom, now the ball's right in his hands. Like, it's just very smooth. Uh, he's used to that. That's the kind of quarterback he is. He can anticipate very well. And I think it's going to work with that as a skill set. So route running, of course, is going to be the way that uh, that he is a productive receiver. And I think when Kevin O'Connell took him, he saw a lot of Robert Woods uh, because he used to be in Los Angeles with Sean McVay. Robert Woods was that two receiver as a guy that, you know, if he's your number one, you're probably in trouble on your team. But if he's on your two, you know, he can go deep. He can run a lot of the routes. Mm -hmm. He can create separation and he draws attention away from Justin Jefferson. That's really, that's really why I think this passing defense, even though they're up against a very tough defense on Sunday, as far as the secondary goes, can be very good this year. I mean, you got TJ Hawkinson. He's got a new bag. You know, we talked about KJ Osborne a little bit. Josh Oliver is a guy that is kind of flying under the radar right now. I think he gets a touchdown on Sunday. There are so many weapons in this passing game, and you look at the Tampa Bay defense kind of just switching gears here. Todd Bowles wasn't willing to go there yesterday in his press conference when they asked, you know, what's the strength of your team? You know, what do you think is the strength of this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, specifically on defense? 
Uh, secondary. I, I think secondary is this, the strength of the team. You bring back Carlton Davis. I think he's one of the best shutdown corners in, in, in the NFL. He doesn't have the best ball skills, so he's not going to get a lot of takeaways. So when it comes to like stacking him up against some other better cornerbacks who can really get a ton of interceptions, his numbers aren't going to wow you in that area. But he just, he's just straight up one of the best coverage players in the NFL. I think Jamel Dean is a really underrated coverage guy on the other side. And the fact that they have those two as a duo on the outside, I think is absolutely huge. Antoine Field Jr. is a fantastic free safety and versatile safety overall. I mean, he can play the slot. He can play strong safety. He's such a high IQ player. Ryan Neal, I love that signing for them to get him at strong safety. I thought that he was uh, an underrated player and a really damn good player in Seattle. So getting him only helps us secondary. Um, Christian Eisen is their starting nickel corner now. He's an undrafted free agent out of Rutgers. So that spot's a little unknown and a little shaky, but secondary for sure is the area to me that has the most experience and the most talent to lean on in this team. I think that they're hoping that the guys up front, certainly Levante David's been doing this for forever. I think he he should be a future Hall of Famer and he's still playing at a high level. So him and Devin White, I think are going to be fine in the middle. Um, They think they have a good defensive line. I don't know if that's a for sure. Vita Vey is a great two-yapping nose tackle, one of the best in the NFL at that. Shaq Barrett, when he's been healthy, has been a very productive edge rusher, but he's coming off major injury, so that's a little bit of an unknown. Joe Tryon Shoyinka hasn't taken that next step yet. They didn't bring back Akeem Hicks, but they did sign Greg Gaines, so a little bit more beef in the middle, but not as much pass rush from Gaines. Um, they have Clyde Jacancy, but Cansey is a rookie, so we'll have to see like how good he's going to be able to be, especially right out of the gate. So there's a lot of like, yeah, maybe from the front seven and the guys in the box, whereas the secondary, you know you're getting good talent out of the guys in the secondary. So I would tell you that that is the biggest strength of the defense. Looking at the Vikings, like this this is going to be the big reveal for the Vikings. I think everybody's very excited. Um, everybody still has Daniel Jones making $40 million a year off of Ed Donatel. Uh, in his kind of curtain call game in the playoffs last year. But, you know, Brian Flores has brought in this aggressive mindset. There's a lot of younger, faster players on the defense. You know, what do you think is the, going to be the biggest impact for Brian Flores when it comes to the Vikings defense this season? Yeah, I just, Flores, no matter where he's been, it started in New England. He's just somebody who, a lot like Todd Bowles, you never know what you're going to get. He's, I mean, his defense is, I feel like for years now, when you have the personnel to do it, have just been so versatile. You're lining three down linemen one play, four down another. You, you got a heavy box in, on one play. You got a light box in the other. Like True versatility is the name of Brian Flores' game. Now, you have to have the players to run it. So I don't know how much he believes he has those players in Minnesota. So I think that goes into how versatile you're going to be. But to me, the strength of Brian Flores has always been a willingness to teach his defenses to truly master their position, to be able to do multiple things, drive for drive, series for series, quarter for quarter, whatever it is, to where you're always keeping the offense guessing. And then once you figure out what the offense wants to do during a, during a game, you could flip more towards like, okay, we're selling out to defend this because this is what they're showing. So versatility has always been to me, what has stood out about Brian Flores as a coach. I want to ask you about one rookie before we move on here, and that is Ivan Pace Jr. Went undrafted. He was, I believe, PFF's second best linebacker. He he was definitely up there. Mm-hmm. Little smaller. I think he's about 5'9". You know, what do you think about him? Because he has been the star of training camp. 
He's gotten the green dots. It seems like Flores likes him. You know, is this a guy that can eventually be, I don't know, the stud linebacker? Or are we looking at a guy that can basically be a sub package guy where you need somebody to blitz? Maybe he needs to work a little bit on coverage. What do you think of Ivan Pace? I should have never went undrafted. It's stupid. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, I don't know how the league let Ivan Pace go undrafted. Sure, he's not built as I'll say tall and as long as you would like a off-ball linebacker, especially a middle linebacker. The dude wreaks havoc, man. He plays his hair on fire every single snap. He's an excellent blitzer. Whether he's bringing speed to power or whether it's just him straight and get, getting around and shooting gaps between interior offensive linemen. He's so savvy with it. He impacted the game so often for Cincinnati. He was the middle of the defense, and he was that like cornerstone for them. He had all the qualities that you want out of a linebacker, other than the fact that, okay, he's not you know six foot three or six foot two, whatever no. it is. But there's no way that should have held you from having this guy go undrafted. He should have, at the very least, been an early day three specialist to me because he impacts the game at such a high level. It's something that's so important as pass rushing. So the floor to me is a sub package through like pass rush specialist as a linebacker, but the ceiling is, I mean, you probably got a really good communicating LB two because everybody, everybody needs at least two linebackers on the field. And maybe he's, he, maybe he just doesn't have that length and strength and pursuit speed sideline to sideline to be that LB1 on a team. But to be the kind of LB2 that might be able to be so savvy and coverage, so smart, can recognize things, can anticipate, like that is all within Ivan Pace's wheelhouse because I felt like we saw it at Cincinnati. So should have never went undrafted. Vikings got a steal regardless of what he ends up. He is like a what I've noticed kind of just watching him in preseason games and whatever. He is almost like a, you know, bowling ball. Like if you threw a bowling ball at the offensive line, that is basically what happens. He's washing out guards. And yeah, sometimes he gets washed out of the play, but that opens the opportunity for other guys. I mean, the thing with Brian Flores is like, yeah, the defense might suck. Like his thing is just, you know, blitz as much as we can. If we give up a big play, whatever. And Don tells like, yeah, we're not going to do anything. We're still going to give up big plays. Like <laughs> with, with, uh, you know, Ivan Pace there with Brian Asamoah. These are smaller guy, even Jordan Hicks. I mean, he's more of a traditional linebacker, but I mean, he's also better at blitzing and stopping the run than he is in coverage. I mean, this is kind of the new wave of linebackers. And I mean, if Ivan Pace is a success in Minnesota, which I would argue he already is as an undrafted free agent. That's going to be the engine, the defense that's already looking to replace Eric Kendricks in the middle. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. It's uh, it's a great, it's a great spot for Ivan Pace because it's a linebacker group that you mentioned is fluid where there are a lot of snaps up for grabs. And I think that he has earned those snaps and he's going to continue to earn those snaps as we move forward. So wrapping things up here, I'm going to ask you, I mean, Obviously, my prediction, no matter what the Viking game is pain, like I'm like Mr. T or Clubber Lang or whatever, when I go into this, but I'm going to ask you right now, what is your prediction for Sunday's game between the Vikings and the Buccaneers? I think this is a close game um, because I think that there is a lot of unknown with both teams. You know, how are the Vikings going to look coming off of that 13 win season? Because I think a lot of people are expecting regression, especially with the roster changes that they've had. But what does that regression look like? Like, are the wheels falling off or maybe it's just not as sharp as it was? So I think there's a lot of unknown for the Vikings on that side of things. Um, For Tampa, obviously, there's a ton of unknown. Offensive line has been shifting in and out, I think, throughout all the offseason. You're flipping Tristan Wirfs from right side to left side. Um, 
Ryan Jensen's now out for the year and he's probably going to retire. So you're figuring things out along the offensive line there. You're figuring things out along the defensive trenches as well. Ultimately, uh, I do think the Buccaneers win this game and I think they win it because the passing weapons of Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Trey Palmer, you throw Kate Otten in there as well. What Rashad White out of the backfield can do as a receiver. I think that's going to be too much for Minnesota secondary. I, I, I would be very worried about Minnesota secondary. Their best guys are going to get overwhelmed by the Bucks' best guys. And then, you know, whoever else they're throwing out there against some of the lower receivers that Tampa has, I think that they have the advantage there as well. So as long as Baker Mayfield executes things the way that they need to be executed in the passing game, I believe Tampa should score enough to win this game. Now, the ultimate wild card is obviously... Justin Jefferson just being an alien and completely taking over the game. But going back to the secondary part of this, the reason why I think they'll be able to keep Justin Jefferson relatively in check, you're never going to stop him, but relatively in check is they have so many different ways they can cover him. You know, if they might just say to Carlton Davis, like, hey, go guard him. Or they might say that about Jamel Dean as well, because Jamel Dean's got better, a, a little bit more athleticism than Carlton Davis. And if those dudes start to struggle, handling Justin Jefferson one-on-one, as a lot of people do. Antoine Winfield Jr. is a phenomenal safety valve to be able to put cap coverage over him to really keep two two sets of extra eyes on him. So I think Tampa, at least in the secondary, is built to not let Justin Jefferson have like a 200-yard game to totally take over. I say that and watch him have it. But if that doesn't happen, then I do think Tampa slightly outscores him, and I think that Tampa wins. So as a Viking fan, certain matchups give me PTSD. And, you know, you have the flashbacks, you think back to like, you know, times where you've been scarred 2005 season, Tampa Bay opens the season at the Metrodome against the Vikings. I can't remember what the score was. I I remember I had a roommate. It it was my first year at college, freshman year, and uh, he was a Packers fan. And like in high school, I would always listen to Paul Allen during the game. He's like asleep at noon. And I'm like. Too bad, buddy. So I turn on my stereo and crank. You know, if you're a Packer fan, I think there's like three worst ways you could maybe wake up without Paul Allen like screaming in your ear. But that's regardless. The Vikings go on to lose that game. Dante Culpepper shreds his knees a couple of weeks later. And we have the love boat. Totally set the uh, scene for the season, right? So with that in mind, I'm thinking about taking the Bucks for this game. They got they got Mike Evans, they got Chris Godwin, they got Trey Palmer, who I like, the Vikings secondary, although I believe in Brian Flores, that secondary scares the hell out of me. But this is the reason why I think they'll wind up winning. The Vikings last year scored an opening touchdown on 10 of their 18 games. They scored in 11. So, so on their first drive, they scored a touchdown in 10 of their 18 games last season. They went nine and one in those games. The one was, you know, Daniel Jones shredding Ed Donatel's defense, but we're not going to talk about that. This is why I think the Vikings will wind up winning this game is because of the attitude they've adopted in the offseason. The first signing they made in the offseason was Josh Oliver, a backup tight end, who was an excellent blocker. He was second in the NFL, according to pro football focuses, blocking grades behind Isaiah Likely last mm-hmm. year. Um, you know, Oliver is a blocking tight end. He can maul people. You know, they got rid of Dalvin Cook and he was like, what are you doing? Getting rid of down? Why are you extending CJ Ham? Like, this makes no sense. The Vikings spent all of last year, you know, basically being like Homer Simpson against Jason Tate or not Jason Tatum, uh, Dre Tate, whatever his name is in the, in the episode. I'm blanking here, but 
you know, the opponent just threw as many, pu- many punches as they could. Homer just ate him and the opponent just dropped dead and he wound up winning, right? The Vikings want to come out and they want to kick people's ass this year. They want to run the ball. They want to establish themselves and everything else. Vita Vea is a monster. He can shotgun Gatorades like nobody's <laughs> business, but the Vikings offensive line is better when they're run blocking. So if they get that drive, opening touchdown drive, they're going to be ahead. And I think it's going to be tough to, for the Bucks to come back because Brian Flores can pin his ears back. He can send everybody forward. He's probably going to give up a couple of touchdowns, but I think that the Vikings at home can win this game. They're going to ride Alexander Madison. He's going to have a hundred yards, a couple touchdowns. Nobody will remember Dalvin cook and the Vikings will win 24, 17. Hey, that is my prediction. The Vikings are favored. So, I mean, they, I think this, I think it started at six and a half on the week and it's now five and a half. So it's gone in Tampa's direction a little bit, but, um, I mean, that's a significant amount. That's a, that's a significant amount of points to be uh, given up in in the betting world. And so Vikings are favored for a reason. We'll see. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it might just be my purple heart beating with game one. because I, like, it, uh, I, I wonder if it's probably the same thing for, for mine as well, because I sit here and I go, hey, you know, some unknown in both the trenches, the unknown at quarterback, they'll be fine. So I don't know. We've been drinking off-season Kool-Aid. We've been here in best shape of his life. Baker Mayfield, baby. Let's go. We we, we watched quarterback. We're, we're on the train. Um, Let me ask you what's going on with you to kind of close here. What do you got going on at Pro Football Focus? And uh, I'm going to botch the name, the draft exchange, right? Stock, NFL stock, draft exchange. Stock exchange. Stock exchange. Stock exchange. My apologies. Yeah. No, yes. so that's, I mean, that's one of them. Uh, I have a podcast two days a week with a good friend of mine, Connor Rogers. So it's me and him breaking down a lot of what we see in the NFL, a lot of college football, but always looking at things through an NFL draft lens. So obviously like beginning of the season, NFL, we're just kind of freaking out and talking about it just like everybody else is. But as the season goes on, anybody out there that's really into the NFL draft, will start to really dig into that, tell you some prospects that you need to know who's projected to go in the first round, all that good stuff. So that's the NFL stock exchange. You can find that on YouTube and then going to be doing all sorts of draft work all season long over at PFF.com. If you guys have a PFF subscription out there, Man, you get a lot of information. I, I've already got a top 150 up on the uh, up on the site over at pff.com for you guys to check, take a look at for next year's draft. We're going to be updating the mock draft simulator so you guys can run your own mock drafts with uh, the big board that we have over there. So uh, subscribe to pff.com if you're into the NFL draft at all. I promise you we are going to make that subscription worth it for you this year. Well, and last question I have for you, where can fo- people follow you on social media? Uh, at Tampa Bay Trey on Instagram, at Tampa Bay Trey on, uh, on X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, I have a TikTok, but I mainly just use TikTok to watch videos. I don't really make videos. So those are the two places that you can find my stuff. Tampa Bay Trey, no wonder you picked the Buccaneers. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, the bias, the bias, here. the bias shows. <laughs> well, hey, Trevor, thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy man for coming on the show. But that's all the time we got for the Viking Age today. It's the official podcast of thevikingage.com. We do this every Monday and Thursday right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. But we're also in podcast form on Apple and Spotify the very next day. However you consume us, don't forget to rate, comment, like, and subscribe so you never miss a new episode. For Trevor Sykema, I'm Chris Shad. We'll talk to you next time on the Viking Age podcast. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.